let someone get your goat. There's plenty to go around for everyone. 1033 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by The Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. To the Great Scott Show. Wow. Wow. What a game last night for Louisiana. One receiver left side, two to the right on first down. Wildridge back to throw. Pass over the middle is caught. And a, and a broken tackle. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Louisiana. Michael Jefferson breaks the tackle and takes it to the house. Cajuns. Go into Marshall, 10.5-point betting dog. Seemed like a big line considering how both teams were playing, but played their best game of the season. Win it 23-13. to 13. Plus two in the turnover department. They're now plus 10 on the season. A solid performance in all three phases of the game. Their best overall special teams performance of the season. The defense still remains strong. And you had Ben Woldrich getting all the reps and all the snaps at quarterback. And he looked poised. He was patient. He was intentional. He was impressive. A lightning delay. It's it's wild. I they're... The, the, the first game of the season had a long delay. Or was that the second game? I can't remember. Oh, the second game against Eastern Michigan. They hadn't had a, a lightning delay in a game in 10 years. Now they've had two in like six weeks. But maybe that's a welcome thing because the Cajuns are outscoring opponents 69 to 13 after lightning delays. We got a lot to get into from last night's game. We've got some post game audio from Ben Woldrich, Braylon Traha, who had a big pick. Been a couple of big hits. Kenny Almendarez, the kicker who, you know, after two chip shot misses last week, was three for three last night on field goals, one for one on PATs, nailed a career-long 52-yarder. False start after a fourth and one, made it fourth and six. Then coach went over to Kenny and said, can you make it? He said, yeah, I can make it. But, All right, go do it. And he did. But uh, overall... Uh, a much-needed win for the Cajuns. They snap a three-game losing streak. Felt like a get-right game, and we'll see what kind of carryover it has when they play Arkansas State in uh, in nine days. But Chris Lano, former Rage of Cajun defensive lineman, former Rage of Cajun color analyst on the uh, radio network from Learfield, he will join me in about 15 minutes. And we will get more and more into last night's game and, and and what unfolded. You know, there were some moments there. Um, you know, early on, a mistake here or there, but the big key to that game last night going into it, and I said this yesterday. I said this yesterday with, uh, with Gerald. You know, the biggest key is stopping the run, slowing down the run. I don't know if you stop it, slowing down the run of Marshall. 
They want to run the football. They led the Sun Belt in rushing. Leibourne's a, you know, he's what, third in the country in rushing. That's what they wanted to do, was run the football. And you can look at the stats and say, well, Scott, you know, he still had 120 yards. He still had two touchdowns. The Cajuns held Marshall to 3.2 yards a carry. That's that that's that's good. That's acceptable. And that's what the Cajuns had, 3.2 yards a carry. Now, they had 10 less carries. They were able to pass the ball. And you can look at passing numbers from Marshall. Cam Fancher came in, what, in the fourth quarter? and He was 7 of 9, a lot of cosmetic yards. I mean, they... They weren't getting a ton down the field. They had one pass where, you know, it was a little crossing route and guy caught it and took it a, a pretty good clip, 42 yards. Outside of that, they didn't really do much in the passing game. And both teams were going to say, all right, let's try to make the quarterback beat us. And as far as the Cajuns go, Woldridge, he did. 17-30, to 30, 230 yards, two touchdowns. He also... Ran 10 times for 45 yards to lead the Cajuns. It was funny. He was asked last night about running. He's like, um, I don't know. It just kind of happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were a couple of call runs, but he <clears throat> he got it done. So with no Chris Smith, obviously Chandler Fields wasn't playing, but uh, Louisiana was able to to get it done. Jordan Quibido continues to just be all over the field defensively. 14 tackles last night for him. Braylon Trollhan had a dozen tackles and an interception. Chris Moncrief had double-digit tackles as well. 10 tackles and a sack. <clears throat> you know, the defense, Zion Hill Green was big last night. You know, he had a sack. He had five tackles, a tackle and a half for loss. But he, you know, the, without Marcus Weiser, you were looking at the defensive line, how are they going to do against Marshall's run? I mean, they were really good up front. Again, all three phases had a solid night. And while, you know, the Cajuns' offense, it only had three points in the first half, It there was some fluidity there where you said, okay, they're they're able to move the ball a little bit. They've had a few mistakes that's, that's killed some drives, but, you know, it feels like they're kind of close to, to cracking it open a little bit, and then they did. They did in the second half. They did after the long lightning delay. 13 points in the third quarter. John Stevens Jr. had a, a Sports Center top 10 like catch that was able to uh extend a drive. Neil Johnson, who, you know, missed a, a key block on an early drive that, you know, kind of stunned the Cajuns drive, where it looked like they might finish in a touchdown. They settled for a field goal, but he he bounced back in a big way. I mean, on a on a on a game scoring drive, he had two huge catches. Huge catches. One went for 43 yards. Another went for a dozen. Pierce Meagle had three catches. Tight ends were involved. Everybody was involved. You know? Everybody was involved. It was a it was a team win. And you started to see, you know, an offensive line that has, again, to me, was... was the question mark coming into the season and you're seeing them start to play better. And that's what you want to see. More reps, more time. 
Coach Desimo said after the game, and I quote, the offensive line is getting better. They're gelling. They're playing more together. It's making a difference, end quote. Lack of experience and injuries, it was a thin unit. I'm not saying that it's suddenly the best in the Sun Belt by any stretch. Not at all. But, you know, that 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 drive the week before against South Alabama, even the, the game time drive, I mean, Woldrich was having to roll out quickly a lot because he was under duress early. And, yeah, there was a fourth down where a guy, a blitzer, came in uh, untouched last night that, that killed a Cajun drive. And there were some moments here and there. Overall, Woldrich had time to work in the pocket. He had time to get into a rhythm because he had protection. And they ran it enough last night when they needed to to keep the defense honest. They didn't blow any, you know, it wasn't like they were breaking off these long runs or anything. It wasn't like Chris Smith was, was hopping over anybody as he wasn't able to play. And then Kenny Almendares. He admitted last night, the Cajuns kicker, that, you know, against South Alabama, that was his first time kicking in a game in like a year because he had had the injury last year. He had the surgery, which he said he has more range on his field goals since then. Um, and he said there was, he admitted there was something mentally there. That was, you know, we talked to kickers. We talked so much about the middle aspect of the game. And he, he admitted, yeah, I, there was, I had to work through it. I talked to my family, and tonight I was good to go. And he was. Three of three, a 52-yarder. I kept saying one of one. Sorry, two of two on extra points. And the best game we've seen from a raging Cajun kicker Single game performance, anyway. And I, it's been a while. It's been a while. And they needed it, man. I mean, Ben Woldridge said, "Look, a kicker is kind of a quarterback's best friend because when you get in field goal range, if you know, you know, at the very least, we're going to get points here, then maybe you're not being as risk averse as you would otherwise." That wasn't the exact word word he used, but that's what he was saying, right? And um, it was, it was. It was big, I think, you know, the fact that, that Kenny hit those first two, I think, gave Coach Desimo the confidence to roll him out there for a 52-yarder. Because it's not out of the question for this Cajuns team, which has missed some fourth downs this year, to go for it on fourth and six when they're on the opponent's side of the field. And that's where the down and distance was. And that part of the field, eh. but I think Kenny's makes early. Had Coach Desimo go over to him and say, hey, you going to make this? He said, yes, sir. <laughs> and he said after the game, hey, what else am I going to tell the coach? Like, no, nah, I don't think so. For the record, Coach Desimo was kind of grinning when he said it. Like, yeah, I guess I have to ask him every week if he's going to just make the field goal. Maybe, that's, maybe that'll fix it. Um. It was big, man. And Ben Woldrich, you know, his first ever career start in college. He's from California. Transferred from Fresno State. Said his mom made the trip from Cali to the game at Marshall. It's a cross-country trip. Said she was the first person he saw when he was leaving the field. He went up in the stands. They hugged. He said she wouldn't have missed it for the world. Words can't describe it. It was special. And that, those are the moments that, you know, I, I love that. I love that. 
It's a great part about college football. And, um, you know, there was a photo taken as well of it that, uh, that got sent, you know, Kerry Maggard put it up online and I want to make sure I give the proper photo credit, but she said, um, she said it was picture was taken by Megan Cobb, Twitterless Megan Cobb, as she put it. But no, I tweeted it out last night. It's a good moment. It's a nice moment. And now the Cajuns are three and three. They're not at the bottom of the Sun Belt standings. I know some folks were having trouble last night enjoying a good performance, complaining about previous losses or why they do this at quarterback or why they do that. Take a breath. Enjoy the win. Next up, they got Arkansas State at home on October 22nd. That game kicks off at 4 o'clock. And then it's a short week against Southern Miss on the road right after that. You know, uh, today's Thursday. The next two Thursdays, you've got some big football games. Because a week from today, the Saints are at Arizona. And then a week later, the Cajuns are at Southern Miss. Tough games on short weeks. In the meantime, Saints-Bengals will get the focus as far as the Saints go in the meantime. And we'll talk a little Saints-Bengals later in the show. We'll talk about the other team owned by Gail Benson. And I don't blame Pelicans fans if they're a little triggered. Don't, don't blame them if they're a little triggered. Just don't. Zion leaves last night with an ankle injury. I, I didn't see it. You know, I was, during the lightning delay, I went and walked the dog, and my friend Gus Cadgill, who joins me on Fridays, as you guys know, is the uh, post-game, halftime, pre-game host on the New Orleans Pelicans radio network. He texts me, he's like, Zion hadn't come out of the second half. I don't know what's going on. And naturally, you know, my stomach sank. I panicked, and I figured, okay, he's never going to play basketball again. Bit of an overreaction. Um, An ankle strain, and then Gus sent me the video of when it happened, and yes, it looked painful uh i've done that before but it didn't look like anything that was significant so i actually felt better after seeing the video i don't think you're going to see him play in you know the last preseason game but it's the kind of thing there it's not a sprain a strain and uh expect him to be good to go for the season opener in six days against brooklyn although zion joked he's like yeah i know there are a lot of doctors on twitter but i'm fine hey man everyone's a little easily triggered a little easily triggered at least those that follow him and follow the Pelicans. But we'll discuss that. A little Major League Baseball. We got some post-game audio that we'll play for you during the show today from Ben Wooldridge, from Coach Desimo, from uh, Kenny Elmendarez, and from Braylon Trahal. In the meantime, one more highlight last night, Jay Walker calling the touchdown pass from Ben Wooldridge to Dante Fleming. Wooldridge has the ball, throws to the end zone, and he's got his man, and that ball is caught. There you go. It was big, man. It was big. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, Crippa, Chris Lano, education analyst, will join me. He's got some thoughts about last night's game, where the Cajuns go from here, what were some of the big differences in last night's performance compared to the three losses. Maybe, you know, more than meets the eye. Not just the obvious ones, but ones that, you know, a former player and an analyst is going to have a a better eye for. We'll talk to him about that and more. Don't go anywhere. 
It's the Great Scott Show on 103.3 The Goat, simulcast on 1420. 103.3 The Goat, the greatest sports talk. Mess with the goat. <laughs> You'll get the horns, then the butt. Because <laughs> that's what goats do. 103.3 The Goat. Columbia going deep downfield, and that pass is intercepted at the 15-yard line. The return coming back to the 30, the 35, and all the way back to the 40-yard line, and it's Braylon Trahan again. And on first down, pass downfield, looking for Stevens, and he juggled it. Did he keep it? He did. All the way down at the Marshall 10-yard line. Fancher rolling to his left. Still has the football. Cajuns have him. Ball is loose. Cajuns have got it at the Marshall 39-yard line. Welcome back into the Gray Scott Show on a Thursday morning. We had a little rain this morning. I had to break out an umbrella while walking the dog. I didn't mind. I didn't. Grass needed it. You know what? Maybe maybe weather is what the Cajuns need because after lightning delays this year, they have outscored opponents sixty nine to thirteen. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Here to talk some uh, rage of Cajun football with us is Chris Lano, former Louisiana defensive end, former uh, radio color analyst, still analyzes the Cajuns. Good morning, Crippa. How are you, my friend? Good morning, and thanks for having me on after a win. Yeah, I mean, we were you were coming on regardless, so um, you know, I imagine <laughs> your uh, your tone and mood would would be a little different depending on on the outcome. But uh, how would you grade the overall performance last night by the Cajuns? A minus, A minus, and uh, you know these midweek games, Scott. It's just, they're very dicey, and they can really mess with you just as a fan because. You know, unlike Saturday, you're watching the game and you like to chuck a few beers, but then you come to your senses and I got to wake up for work in the morning. So, you know, if you lose the matchup, if you're playing bad, you can't drink your sorrows away. You can't have that more so apathetic feeling. And, um, you know, you got to wake up. You got to go to work the next day. I'm, I'm here right now. I stepped out of the office for a little while to talk to you. And uh, the best thing is, you know, on a win, you get to – you get to kind of chat with your colleagues and your peers and just about what you saw last night. And, you know, you got some bragging rights. It's a little bit different. So it's always important from just a fan's perspective to win these midweek games. And, you know, just you said it best earlier in your show. It's just, to me, that was one of the more collective team wins where it just took everybody, everybody pitching in and just doing their part. And we're going to get more into that. But uh, I, I woke up so satisfied this morning, and uh, I slept well last night. I'm sure all my buddies did as well. And I'm so proud of Mike Desimo. That's a big win. That, that's a statement win for him as, as a head coach. And the players themselves, you know, they came out there. They had a great game plan. They performed. Ben Wooldridge, you know, I tipped my hat off to him. You know, he looked composed, and he played strong off for, uh, for four quarters. But, you know, we'll, we'll get more into the game. But uh, those are just my opening thoughts. You know, let's start there with Ben Waldrich. Um, 
1033 The Goat Simulcast 1420 is the Great Scott Show. Chris Lano, our guest. I mean, I will ask, um, you know, Coach on Monday and, you know, after he's watched tape and everything else, but look, the two-quarterback thing, it's always out there, Chris. I know Chandler was the starter. Ben's getting every third or fourth series, depending on what game we're talking about. You know, Ben has an opportunity here to audition to be the full-time starter. Um, how how much do you think that is legitimately on the table right now behind the scenes? There's no question. And, you know, let me let me open it up with this, Scott. I think coming away, and this is just I'm putting on my analyst my – analyst hat on for a second i think coming out of the ulm ball game i think mike desmondis is just me speculating i I don't notice to be for fact it's just from what i saw it's just from what my eyes told me from watching that ball game a few weeks ago i think chandler feels from what he did that night and i gave him an a grade for what he did and his performance against louisiana louisiana monroe I thought he secured the starting spot. And I think going into the next week against South Alabama, you were going to see a Chandler Fields as the full-time starter coming in, preparing all week. But, you know, with the injury that lingered him with the, with the sprain labrum, and, you know, we did not really hear much about that leading into that ball game a week ago. You know, it, it threw in a uh, – it, it just – they had to shuffle the quarterback group a little bit. They had to continue doing what they were doing with the two-quarterback system. And eventually, it was Ben Roldridge who played the entire game against South Alabama, who played well. So coming into this week, you know, there was no doubts. You know, Chandler Chandler was out. Ben was in. And I, I got to tell you, I, I just think as of right now, he's sitting on top of the mountain and he's sitting right there by himself. And uh, I, I thought his composure was great. I thought he stood in the pocket well. The one advantage I give Ben over Chandler is that he's taller. He's bigger. And when you watch him play, it looks like he has better ability to scan the football field and look for his open receivers. He does a good job of just staying in the pocket. And that element he gives you, that Chandler does a nice job as well, but Ben's more suited for it, is his ability on the quarterback power, the quarterback draw that's designed especially you saw that in the third and 12 with 10:30 left in the fourth quarter. You know, that was a huge play of the game where Mike dialed up a quarterback draw and eventually Ben was able to get the yards he needed. And that led to the Jefferson touchdown on the slant pattern to his left side, which really just uh, you know, blew the game wide open. And I think Ben, what you saw in the first couple weeks, and this could be, this could be a result of, of having a two-quarterback system where both guys – what I argue about the two-quarterback system where I defend the fans and when, you know, you've been hearing them harp the last couple of weeks that you know, you can't, it, it's tough to win with two quarterbacks. You, know, you, you need to develop some kind of cohesiveness. You know, one guy has to come in. He's got to get that momentum for four straight quarters. One guy has got to prepare with the ones all week long. Where I defend the fans on that is that – when you have a two-quarterback system, whoever is in at the time, they are more so just trying to win the moment, not necessarily the game. And what I mean by that is in each possession, I think both quarterbacks are a little bit tight, and they were just trying to make something happen, whereas play the football game, understand your identity, know you have a great defense, you don't need to take a shot. You know, if, 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 if you're third and long, and your guy's not there down the field, it's okay to check down and just punt on fourth down. That's not the worst thing in the world. You want to play field position. And I think that's another thing that this team 
understood and realized last night is that our identity, and it's so important to understand your identity of a football team, and why is that so? It, that is because when you have an identity, especially from the coach who understands it, it helps you manage the football game. And what's our formula right now to win football games? That is great field position, okay, play great defense, and it's okay to settle for three and just get points on the board. I think if Mike Desimo understood the identity of this football team going back against Southeast in week one, you take the points going into the half when, uh, in fourth down and short in the red zone right before halftime, knowing you get the ball back in the second half. I think it helps with that because – this team is going to play is going to play great defense. I think they're scrappy. There's a certain moxie to them that they bring week in and week out. They get after the ball. They create turnovers. So that's who we are. That's our formula for success. And I think we realized that we understood that last night. And that's why I also believe it was a big mistake to go for it on fourth down when you have a three nothing lead early in the ball game midfield. Play field position. Make Marshall go down the field and try to score on you. We, we've done a great job of stopping opponents. And plus, you know, you look at the, you look at the stats, you know, we've only been able to score one offensive touchdown in the previous eight quarters before that. So, you know, understand who you are. I think now we understand the kind of team we have, and that's only going to help us get better as the season goes along. Chris Lano, our guest, uh, 103.3, the goat simulcast on 1420. It's the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. It, uh, defensively last night, uh, the defense has been solid, you know, all season. I thought they were great up front. Here is here is one area last night that they were great in where they just had not been this season. You know, yes, the defense had been solid. Yes, some of it had to do with how long they were on the field, but they weren't getting off the field on third down much. I mean, they were they yeah, were a bottom the feeder worst. in the Sun Belt in regards to that mm-hmm. stat, and they were pretty low just in overall. You know, when you look at the, the rankings across the country. Marshall was one of 11 on third downs last night. Um, that is huge. And, you know, I know they got out to the quarterback. I know they, you know, there was a couple of big hits. Maybe they rattled them. QB left a few plays on the field. Other times he just had nowhere to go with it because the coverage was good. But that's a stat right there that I don't know if it's going to be highlighted as, you know, the big takeaway from last night's game when you have, you know, 23 points and, and a little – funny kind of side story as far as lightning delays go and, and a kicker coming back and all that other stuff. One of 11, when you've been really struggling in that area, it was, in my opinion, Chris, the biggest weakness of the defense this season was third down efficiency. And last night it was it was absolutely fantastic. And it proved to be, you know, I think a, a, just a gigantic difference maker in last night. And a big reason the Cajuns were able to secure the win. Well, you mentioned one of the worst. I think statistically, I think the UL defense was around 112. I think that I think that's where we were ranked coming into this ball game, in money downs, getting off the football field. You're right. There's there's no question. And Lamar Morgan was able to dial up some good play calls to get off the field for um, this offense to generate some yards and get down the field and eventually score. There's there's no question about it. And you know, one thing I want to say, you know, I, I think. They're very aggressive in the back end. And one of the the silver linings that I, I really in, am enjoying seeing thus far, we've seen him do it a couple times now this season. That's You look at Camp Desclo, this guy has initiated the peanut punch. 
he's got it down to perfection. I think that was his second time he did it last night. Now, Louisiana wasn't able to secure the football, but he was able to knock the ball down. And I think something like that is contagious amongst your football team, especially on defense, and you're going to see more of that. And I think that's the identity of this team. They know they got to create turnovers, and I think that's something that they emphasize during the week. So very proud of that. I think Lamar Morgan thus far has been a home run hire for Michael Decimo. I think that's a point you got to make. And, and he's really got this defense on par. Uh, they're showing up week in, week out. They are giving you a chance to win a ball game each week. And uh, that's so far, that's very promising. And I, I think they're only going to get better. And because there's just a certain moxie and a certain savviness that they play, especially in the back end. They get after the quarterback up front. Um, I think he dials up, as in Lamar Morgan, the blitz packages at the right times. And, but we're able to get pressure sometimes but just with a four-man rush. And I know Marcus Weiser, him being out, is going to hurt a little bit. Um, you know, I thought Sonny Hazard did a good job. And, and, you know, just to throw in a little note, I saw a lot of people complaining about the Sonny Hazard third-down personal foul. Personally, me, I thought it was the right call. I, I thought it was a pretty clever way Sonny was able to kind of hip check the quarterback. But you know, you can't do that. He you got that so he, I'll jump in as well. Yeah. Like I, I, I understand why the people were upset because he was being me held too. and his and his momentum his momentum carried into the quarterback. But he did lower his shoulder and nudge him. I mean, he did. Yeah, like like it wasn't it, was, it wasn't it was like he was completely free of guilt and tried to hold. You know what I mean? Like I. Well, it, uh, yes, they could have called a holding. I get it. I get it. But I he also could have. He also could have. Like he could have held up a little. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah, he, I know, but listen, I, I love. I love the kid. He's nasty. He gets after it, and uh, he, he kind of looks like a little dirty Dave on the other side of the football. <laughs> Dave Hudson. <laughs> but uh, but but listen, there's no question. I I thought that was the right call. He was held, but. But other than that, he did a solid job anchoring that defensive front. And he had a and, big, big um, what was it? A big sack later, a tackle for a yeah, loss, and he did. It was a, little, a big play. A little discount, double check after. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see younger guys step in and make plays. But overall, I mean, you just got to feel good about the effort on that side of the ball. It was it was huge. One of eleven on third downs. Um, they got after it. Uh, the D line was great. Chris Moncrief was good. Zion Hill Grill. Zion Hill Green was terrific. Um, just uh, and and plus two in the turnover department. You know that's one thing that is carried over from this season. You know they are plus ten on the season. Uh, you would think the record would be a little better, but I think overall it's what we've kind of been hitting on. They were able to have a solid game in all three phases. You know special teams doesn't uh, struggle and and with self inflicted wounds against ULM. The Cages don't lose that game. They did. Last night, special teams was was good. Garrett didn't have you know one of his big trademark returns, but you know the coverage was good, uh, the punts were okay, and obviously Kenny Almendarez was was perfect. and And I said this before I had you on: if he misses one of those two uh, shorter field goals earlier in the game, I don't know that Coach Dez is is dialing him up for fifty two yards. You know what I mean? Like he's no. I think for Kenny, he admitted last night. He's like, "Yeah, man. I mean, it was. It had been a year since I last played because last season he got hurt. He had surgery, which, by the way, he said he has a lot more range since he had that surgery. Um, but he said, you know, I, I, I mentally, I was, you know, he admit he admitted there was some some mental block there, uh, and there's a lot that goes into kicking. And he said he talked to his family about it and felt good. And 
clearly he did because all those kicks look good uh, off his foot. And when you're at fourth and one, and I don't remember the exact down in you know yard line somewhere in the thirties, uh, and then you have the pre snap penalty, and then it's fourth and six, and coach says you're gonna hit, you're gonna make it, and he says yeah, it's just a career long, but he nailed it. I mean it it was he was able to knock it through and. If those are misses, man, the whole game plays out a little different. You feel different. I mean, a missed kick, it's one thing if you miss a 52-yarder, right? But when you're missing anything inside a 40, a missed kick can really deflate um, a, a, a team's spirit. Not for the whole game. I know you got to, quote, bounce back and all that. But when you come away from when you feel like you've had a solid drive, when points are at a premium, and for three quarters last night they really were, uh, Those those are... They're just huge. They really are huge. And if he hits some against South Alabama, maybe the Cajuns win that too. Special teams, you know, Jay and I disagreed about it. Uh, Jay Walker, I just, I feel like it has not been uh, nearly up to the level we expected this year from the Cajuns. Last night it was. It didn't have the the super big player, the return, and Eric Gare has been great this year. But as a whole, it was the best overall performance, and it was just a major part of last night's win. When your offense is struggling to put points on the football on the board, you know you've got one offensive touchdown in the pre in the previous eight quarters, as I stated earlier, coming into this ball game. You know you mentioned it when when it's time for you to line up and put three. You know it can almost feel, in a sense, debilitating. You, you feel sick to your stomach if you miss that because those those opportunities they come at a premium and you need to put points on the football, uh, on, on the scoreboard. And, and that was, that was so good to see. It was so refreshing and it changes the ball game. And, you know, go back, go back to my three points that I made earlier. Our formula for success is field position. Uh, you're not necessarily going to run the football, but you want to be able to control the clock at, at the same time. If field position, you, if if you have an opportunity to kick three, kick three. You got to settle for three, and play great defense. That, we you have to roll with that. That is who we are, and we were able to check all three boxes when it comes to that. So it was good. Chris Lano has been our guest. All right, Chris. So moving forward, is this win something that that the the team will look back look back at as man? That's really when the season turned around. Or do you need to see more? Where do the Cajuns go from here? Well, you look at the optics coming into last night, and it's something I really thought about. Um, you know, struggling to, to put points on the board on offense. You're going into an unfamiliar territory in Marshall that, you know, almost had, almost felt like an at-state effect in 2018 where you're going in the boon. You haven't really been there before. And uh, unfamiliar territory. It's just the middle of nowhere against a very formidable opponent. Uh, you're playing against a team who's really, this is their coming out party on national TV in the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, you're coming out there without your starting quarter, uh, without your starting running back and your starting quarterback. And really, you know, you look at Chris Smith and he's probably your most well-branded athlete going back in the Napier area. Everyone knows who he is. You see him out in public and everyone knows who he is. You know, you're without him. And one other, one other point that I like to make, and I think some people are going to laugh at this and scoff at this when I make this point, but 
when, when these games are scheduled, Scott, you know, one of the first things I look at is how many home games and away games you play. And I like to make sure that it's even. You have six and six. The second thing is I like to look at is how many midweek games do you play? Not necessarily, you know, if you play Saturday night or Saturday during the day. I know that comes later on during, um, in the fall uh, as far as the time slots. But what are your midweek games and when do you play them? Not only a lot of Cajun fans had this game circled because you're going to Marshall, you, you got the streak, which let's, let's just be honest, you know, you thought maybe the streak could possibly come to an end at this point going at Marshall in West Virginia. But I'm looking at the date. I'm looking at October 12th in the middle of the week. And Scott, you know, as a former student athlete, again, people are going to laugh at this. The one thing that raises alarm for me, midterms. That's a real thing. It's a real thing. It, it, that can have an effect on some players. So you look at all the obstacles, you know, you're missing some players. You're going into an unfamiliar territory. You've got midterms looming in the back of your minds right now. You're going to miss just about two full days of school. So you're able to overcome all that. So doing that, this could be a changing point in this season. Uh, and hopefully so. And I think, you know, maybe this is something that really accelerates the engine and gets this team going. And honestly, Scott, I couldn't even tell you who we play next game. I couldn't even tell you when we play, where we play. I am so focused on a one-week season because that's, that's just that, that's what we need to put our focus on. It's a one-week season. Right now we're 1-0. We came off a big win last night. And get back, regroup. The good thing about these midweek games is you're able to take a couple days off in, uh, for multiple games. It's almost like you have multiple bye weeks instead of just one bye week. You know, you take a couple days off here, a couple days off there. Too, I too many buys. You got too little. You have too yeah. little mini buys. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd rather that than have a full week off of one opponent. And that's just me. And I, I like the way it sets up. And I think Dr. Brian Maggard likes the way that sets up as well. So. We'll see, Scott. I, I think uh, you know, you know, you win a ball game like that. It's a great plane ride back home. Uh, it, it it brings together the camaraderie of the team. But there's no question, no question. I think you could possibly, you know, this team could have pivot last night after the win, and we'll see where it goes from here. But you got to like the way it feels. You, you know, it, it almost feels like it's tangible, like you know that that you know within that locker room, within that plane ride coming home that uh, it's a good feeling. It's a great feeling, and um, you know we'll see where it goes, but I'm excited about it. Chris Lano has been our guest. Crippa, it's the nickname he's had his whole life, Crippa Bear. Breaking it down in uh, the state of the Cajuns and last night's win. Man, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, like you said, it, it, <laughs> a lot of differences whenever you are playing a a midweek game, particularly like a Wednesday one. I mean, even if it's Thursday, you can be like, yeah, man, tomorrow's Friday. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have a few. But that Wednesday game, you're like, man, I got to get up early. It was that alarm hit hard early this morning. It was uh, it was a late night last night for sure. But you know, we got to bed before everyone on that plane. I don't even know what time they got back, but I'm sure it didn't feel as late if, because you know you win. I've been on those plane rides before with the team, Chris. Probably back when you played, I. It's a very different feeling when you win versus when you lose. I, regardless of where you're at in the season, boy, those flights when you lose, they feel like an eternity. When they win, they just kind of just kind of cruise by. Everyone's just cutting up, having fun. Very, very different vibes, man. It's good to win. Now, one I like to point out, I'll never forget the game where I remember thinking at the time, thank God we won this football game. 
But due to bad weather surrounding the Lafayette Airport, we had to circle around. It eventually had to fly all the way to Houston. This was in the middle of the week. FIU, and yeah. FIU. <laughs> now, I'm not sure. Were you on that plane ride? I was not. That was Steve. Thank God I would. Oh. I mean, they, they, uh, yeah, y'all, y'all then had to, to, to go to Houston, and it was, like, cold. Um, it was cold. And, and when we got to Houston, Scott, we didn't have busing transportation. None of that was set up. So when we got there, we had to set that up and wait for the buses to arrive. We rolled on the campus around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. I remember talking to one of my professors, Dr. Jeffrey Stewart, at the time. I I had an email number text and said, listen, I'm not coming in. I can't make it. I'm, I'm a zombie right now. And, he, of course, obviously he understood. But, you know, that that's some of the uh, – that's what you got to live with sometimes as a student athlete. But I remember at that time, thank goodness we won this ball game because if not, that would have been a miserable – 12 hours we would have had to endure just now but but hey you get the win and uh you know it's exciting but la- last point i like to make scott before i go you know this is from my old buddy of mine uh brit framel used to kick for us the legendary brit framel his only point he wanted me to make on the show and i promised him i'll do it is kicker's rule all right crippa kicker's rule i mean I, you know and kickers kickers get a lot more uh get, like it, they used to be the punchline on the teams, and that's that's kind of a thing of the past. Um, you know, kickers get their respect uh, in the pros in college, as long as they're doing their job. Punters as well, man. It's it's very different. I mean, back back in the nineties, early two thousands, if you were if you stood out as a kicker in a good way, you were like a unicorn in a lot of ways. So it's good to see kickers getting their due, man. They're such a vital part of the team. So yeah, shout out. I'll, I'll go with you there. Kickers rule. Kickers rule, my friend. All right, have a good one. You too, buddy. That is Chris Lano. Appreciate him coming on. Good discussion from last night's win. We'll talk more about the Cajuns against Marshall in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll have some audio for you from Coach Desimo, from Ben Woldrich, from Braylon Trahan. We'll have open phone lines as well. we got to talk uh, divisional series in MLB. Padres, Dodgers, it's fun. Braves have a bounce-back game as well, so now we're guaranteed a couple of game fours. Looking forward to that. But up next, there is a a Game of Thrones-like episode playing out in real life in the NFL right now with owners. I'll explain next. It's the Great Scott Show on 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420. 1033 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Don't let them pull the wool over your eyes. And they bring in this rookie, Chris Olave. Get your sports news straight from the goat. To the end zone, caught for the touchdown. Chris Olave. 1033 The Goat. 1033 The Goat, simulcast on 1420. The Goat, greatest sports talk of all time. It's the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. Dan Snyder, Dirty Dan, a scumbag, a guy that has held on to the Washington Commanders for far too long, a guy that has always been, it seems, despised by the league, by the public, by Washington fans. And oftentimes when another scandal comes out of the D.C. area about the professional football team there, 
some people will say, tongue-in-cheek, well, you know, Dan Snyder probably just, he must have a lot of dirt on Roger Goodell. He must have a lot of dirt on the other owners because why else has this guy not been voted out? And I always say, look, owners usually look out for each other. They protect each other. and They don't want, you know, they don't want to throw dirt out there. You don't, you don't want to throw stones in a glass house, right? Now, this whole thing could turn into Game of Thrones. Now, if you watch Game of Thrones, you watch House of Dragon. It's great, by the way. I've really enjoyed it. It's really just a, a soap opera set in a fantasy world with a big budget. And it's awesome, but it's about power moves. The power players playing the chess table of life, trying to get a one-up on everyone. And according to a story from ESPN written by Don Venata Jr., Seth Wickersham, and T- uh, Tisha Thompson, I'm going to read you a little bit out of about a little bit, little, a couple things from here. Snyder, who has found himself um, just continuing to do one bad thing after another, reportedly tells those who are close to him that he has dirt on. Roger Goodell, that he has dirt on several big-time owners in the NFL, including Jerry Jones, who has always kind of stood up for Dan Snyder. Snyder has said privately, they can't bleep with me. Now, Snyder allegedly told an associate recently, hey, look, the NFL is a mafia. All the owners hate each other. While one veteran owner said, that's not true, all the owners hate Dan. Pick a character in Game of Thrones that had a lot of power that everyone hated, including the viewer. That's Dan Snyder. And you've got NFL League meetings in New York on Tuesday, and many owners and big executives around the league want to see Snyder removed as an owner, per this report. A storied franchise, a a rabid fan base who desperately needs a new stadium – Desperately needs a new owner. And Snyder right now is like a wounded dog backed into a corner. He has survived, quote, allegations of a toxic club culture, sexual harassment, accounting misdeeds, where he essentially screwed over his own season ticket holders. He cooked the books, messing with the money as it comes to league revenue sharing rules, taking money out of the pockets of the other owners, which when that happened, that was the first time I said, you know what, this is possibly the thing that does Snyder in. And when it didn't, that's when I had to stop saying tongue-in-cheek, man, that guy must have pictures of Roger Goodell or something. No, he actually has some kind of dirt on Goodell and other owners. He's got to. When you're taking money out of their pockets, see, the greedy owners, most of them, they'll say whatever publicly, but the toxic club culture, sexual harassment, all that, yeah, they'll be like, okay, he shouldn't do that. You start taking money out of their pockets, whoa, dude, hang on. And fans and 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 and, and those that follow the league are like, Come on. 
But this is a guy that hired investigators to dig up dirt on the victims of the team's culture of sexual harassment and abuse and apparently has hired, has had private investigators for years try to accumulate dirt on others around the league. Get a lot of dirt so that when they come for me, because I'm a sack of bleep, I'll have something on them. The three that wrote this story right, according to more than 30 owners, league, and team executives, lawyers, and current and former commanders employees interviewed by ESPN, the fear of reprisal that Snyder has instilled in his franchise, poisoning it, poisoning it on the field and off, has expanded to some of his fellow owners. Multiple owners and league and team sources say they've been told that Snyder instructed his law firms to hire private investigators to look into other owners and Goodell. League sources say the NFL is aware that Snyder has claimed to be tracking owners. One owner was told by Snyder directly that he has dirt on Jerry Jones, a file. No, Dan Snyder is not making himself available for an interview. Of course he's not. All he did was release a statement through his attorney saying that the whole, all of this is categorically false. Yeah, sure. Just like you released all those other statements as it pertained to all of the dirt that has come out of that franchise. Now, most of the sources would not go directly on record for the story. Why? Because Roger Goodell has told all the owners across the league, if you leak anything to reporters, you can be fined millions of dollars. Yeah. How much does Snyder actually have here? I don't know. But just putting that threat out there publicly like this, denying it but having this story drop, he wants this. There could be an owner that has some kind of misgivings that they'd rather not have public that Dan Snyder has absolutely nothing on. But right now, in their mind, they're wondering, wait, what? Maybe he does. Any skeletons in any of the closets, if it if it's more than... A third of the owners, they're not going to vote him out. Yeah. Dan Snyder has always been a terrible person. Remember when he was 34 years old, youngest person ever to buy an NFL franchise and just started acting in an arrogant, obnoxious, selfish way? I would tell you the owners have never liked this guy. Ever. Ever. He's attacked other owners. He said bad things publicly, and obviously it's a really bad workplace. And Washington has been a huge disappointment during his 23-year tenure as the owner. This was once a very proud franchise. They are anything but right now. Game of Thrones. He's in the corner right now. He's like a wounded dog, and he's saying, I'll do whatever I got to do to keep my football team. 
How much will, you know, how many legs does this story have? How much will ESPN really go with this? How far will they go with this? As a TV partner, well, you're under your TV contract, you just signed it. You got it for a while. And they need you. They can only restrict your access only so much. Do they have the gall to keep going with this? Because you ain't going to see it on the NFL network, I promise you that. We will see. I'll just never forget John Riggins in 2004. Washington legend. Won a Super Bowl. Great running back. You would think that, you know, as a former player of the team, he would be supportive. And I remember him saying, Dan Snyder's an awful human being. And when the, you know, I think it was Greg Gumbel was pressing him further. I mean, wait, what do you mean by that? He's like, put it this way. He's just, his soul is is dark and evil. He is an awful human being. I was like, whoa. And back in 2004, you didn't have all of these different platforms to get the word out. It wasn't like this was a quote that was just going to kind of come and go. This was a reputable member of the media at the time in Riggins and a former player who, by the way, after that didn't really stay in broadcasting very long. Huh. He didn't care. He put it out there. And ever since then, I haven't forgotten it. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, you'll hear from Coach Michael Desimo after last night's victory, along with Ben Woldrich, along with Braylon Trahan. We'll open up phone lines. The goose landed at Dodger Stadium. The Padres got a win. The Braves bounce back. We got more baseball today. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on a Thursday. Back after this on 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420. 103.3 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Download the free 103.3 The Goat app now. now. You've got mail and the very latest sports news now. Did he say what I think he said? 1033 The Goat. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by The Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. To the great Scott show coming at you on a Thursday. Spent a lot of time last hour on Louisiana's victory over Marshall last night. Didn't really get into the uh, baseball yesterday, but the Braves bounced back from a shaky performance. An impressive 3-0 win over the Phillies. It had a rain delay. Yeah, the Cajuns weren't the only thing with the weather delay yesterday that was notable. But now it's tied, and it heads to Philly. But then you had the Padres and Dodgers. I mean, these teams simply don't like each other. But you've got two talented roster. Padres win it 5-3. to three. 
one game apiece. Profers, you know, cricket swing and miss strikeout was kind of funny. I mean, the ball hit the dirt. But a goose flies onto the field, stops play. Everyone's got to chase it. That thing landed like, this is my land. You're not getting me off of here. Hopefully the goose is okay. Duck, duck, goose. That Both series are tied one-to-one. Mariners at Astros today at 2.30, coming off of the crazy walk-off by Houston. I still can't get over I mean, Astros fans, if you're not still glowing from that, you're not an Astros fan, that thing. I, maybe at first pitch today, you can, you can move on. But, man, ride that dopamine. Holy cow, that was a wild inning. Uh, but they're back at it today. Mariners at Astros, and then you have Cleveland at New York. Guardians, still getting used to saying that. The Guardians at the Yankees uh, tonight as well at 6.30. And hopefully we uh, we have a couple of even series. I'm, I'm all for these things going far. Let's have some game fours. Let's have some fun. This Saturday we'll be airing all uh, game fours that are happening. Hopefully we have four game fours. We'll see. We'll see. So the Cajuns last night had their most complete game. Their most complete game of the season in all three phases. The defense looked solid, but after really struggling on third down all season, that was the the Achilles heel of the defense. They were solid everywhere else. Last night, one of 11 for Marshall. They were getting off the field. Kenny Almendares had his best game ever as a Raging Cajun. The kicker got the job done, hit the chip shot field goals, if you want to call them that, and then nailed a career-long 52-yarder that at the time made it a three uh, a two-possession game, which was huge. Ben Waldridge was patient. He was poised. He was intentional. He was impressive. And I know the offense wasn't lighting up the scoreboard in the first half, but you got the sense watching the flow and the rhythm of it that it's only a matter of time. Despite not having, you know, Chandler Fields, despite not having, obviously, Chris Smith, the offensive line had their best game of the season. It's a unit with, you know, came coming into this season with not as much experience a unit that was questioned by me and many others, a unit that hasn't been, you know, the highest-graded unit in the Sun Belt to this point this season, if we want to put it that way, in those words. And they had their best performance of the season last night. And lightning delays are a welcome delay for Louisiana. Happened against Eastern Michigan, they had their best half of football of the season. It happened yesterday. They had their second-to-best half of football this season. They have outscored opponents 69-13 to after lightning delays. Oh, and one other thing. Everyone on the broadcast saying, oh, Cajun's got a big old break. That was a fumble by the Marshall quarterback, and that big man had a great run. It, his forward progress wasn't stopped. What a joke. These Sunbelt officials, man, that guy, it would should have been first and goal marshal. Um, wrong. Was it a bad call to say it was for his forward progress was stopped? Yes, it was a bad call. But 
if you know the rules, an offensive player cannot advance a fumble on fourth down, and it was fourth down, unless it's the player who fumbled the ball. So even if they get it right and say, no, it was an actual fumble, Marshall ain't getting it first and goal after the big man just took off, which, by the way, the whistle had blown. It's not like he was being tracked down by every member of the Cajun defense. Even if he had scored, even if you'd been, it wouldn't have mattered. The ball would have been placed right back exactly where it was, where they blew the whistle, first and 10 Cajuns. So all this talk about, uh, you know, I mean, the guys on the you know, various broadcasts on social media, man, got to hate that if you're a Marshall fan. It didn't matter. It was fourth down. It was third down, would have mattered in a big way. It wasn't third down. It was fourth down. Can't do it. Only guy that could have advanced that fumble was the quarterback himself, and whistle had blown. And Anyway, enough on that. That was such a small, I won't say small. It was a fourth down stop. It was, it was a big play. It was a big play. Coach Michael Desermo spoke with us via Zoom. After last night's game, here he is talking about Marshall and Ben Woldrich's performance. You'll hear various members of the local media asking him some questions. But from Woldrich Woldrich to Almendarez to just the locker room sticking together and hearing the noise and all that other stuff, Coach had a lot to say last night. This is 103.3 The Goat, simulcast on 1420. It's a great Scott show. Here is Coach Desimo following last night. And now it's frozen. They've got better players now, I think, than they did last year. A lot of those guys are a year older. Um, and he made some really good throws when we needed them. Um, he played his tail off. And, you know, he's just he is just a competitor. And he willed this team to win. And, uh, you know, that's what you got to have sometimes. You got to have a guy pulling the trigger that is going to go out there and do whatever it takes to find a way to win. The other thing I thought he did was when he wasn't there, he threw it away. He, he didn't force stuff. Ben is, is really uh, – he's a really good game manager. You know, you can trust him, and we can call shots and do things like that, even in critical times, uh, because he makes good decisions, you know. And uh, as long as he continues to do that, you feel good about throwing the ball, um, you know, on normal down situations. And, uh, you know, he, he really did a good job with it. There were some – that, you know, even when he wanted to get to it, maybe kind of felt like his clock was being rushed. And, and that's part of it sometimes. Nobody did a good job, kept us out of a lot of sacks um, when there were some situations for that and, and really protected the football. The, they could run the ball. Y'all had trouble tackling number eight, and yet y'all were able to get pressure. Well, just talk about the defense. It was hard to play run defense because they run it well, but y'all were able to force things by getting pressure on the quarterback, I thought. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they run the football really well, um, and they've done it every game this year. Um, so for us, you know, we knew that it was they're going to chip away at it, and they don't go away from it. They're going to keep doing it, and um, and you saw that tonight, right? They they just kind of stay with it um, until they get one to pop. And the running back is really really good, offensive line wise. I think they've gotten a lot better. Um, they covered up pretty good, and they strain. Uh, but you know, certainly some of the sacks some of the pressure on the quarterback in the past game was, was huge for us, you know, got some key sacks uh, and, and even just pressure where, you know, early in the game, he wasn't, wasn't throwing the balls effectively. And I think it's because we were in his face a little bit. 
Coach, do you feel like maybe there's a bit of a sense of relief and, and kind of like, hey, look, guys, you stick to what we tell you. We're, we can get those wins. Is there a little bit of that uh, relief that, hey, look, what we're working on is working? Well, I mean, I, I think we knew that we knew that we, we were getting better. You know, I mean, we knew that we were playing better football. Um, I mean, you always want those results, right? Because that's that's kind of, you know, it's a results oriented business. It, it is what it is. That's what people want wins. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for them because, you know, I know they kind of, you know, they hear all the stuff and, and all that. But they just this this team is just special. Like they believe in each other um, more than probably any other team I've been around. And at halftime, you know, when it wasn't when it was still, you know, wasn't going great at halftime, they just rallied around each other. And I mean, they walk around the locker room picking each other up and um, they have a belief in each other that I knew was going to pay off for us because um, they believe in what we do. And I believe in what we do. We know it works. Um, we just we just got to, you know, keep plugging away at it and find a way to win some of these close games. Coach, you had a delay. You, how much did the experience of that one against Eastern Michigan help this, or y'all just maybe need to get a delay every game? It seems to work. I don't know. Eric Truel told us he was praying to get rid of the fans, and he said the weather delay was God's way of doing it. So, you know, we'll take it. Uh, no, I mean, you know, we, we sat in the locker room, and, and, you know, the thing we talked about was, listen, this is either an advantage or it's a disadvantage, however you take it. And we've been there before. I um, mean, we played really well after a lightning delay. Um, so I think for our kids, it was kind of like, all right, well, let's let's just go duplicate what we've already done. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, when you've been there already, you just kind of go out there and just say, all right, well, let's just let's just go do it again. And so for our kids, I mean, they just they handle adversity. Well, they do. Um, and tonight, you know, that was a long halftime. We went out, had to come back up, all that stuff. And um, I just I just was really I was just really pleased with their response to all that stuff. Coach, I know you had, uh, you had, Kevin had asked you this, but you kind of uh, bottomed out a little bit for us over here. Uh, can you talk a little bit about Kenny and, and how big a role the, the kicking those three field goals were and uh, just what what a big boost that was? We knew points weren't going to be easy to come by in this game, you know, on both sides of the ball. Um, so whenever you have confidence in your kicker like that, I mean, it's huge for you. You know, I mean, those nine points really kind of spread the game open for us and put way more pressure on them. Um, and you know, I expected him to go out there and go hit those chip shots. He's done it all week in practice. He's been really good. Um, especially coming off last week, but I don't think you can ever count on a 52 yarder, you know, uh, I asked him on the silence, are you going to make it? And he said, yes, sir. And he went out there and kicked it. So, you know, I guess I just got to ask him every time and we'll be good. How tricky was it? Because you weren't able to run the ball when you had a lead. Normally you want to run the ball and run out the clock, but that was tricky tonight because they're so good at defending the run. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're kind of in a little bit of a of a new situation for us here where, you know, we're not running it maybe at will like you'd want to. Um, you just got to trust the receivers and the quarterbacks to make plays, and, and they did. You know, I mean, the, the slant to, to MJ was huge, you know, for the last touchdown, um, and, and it was just, you know, Ben does a great job, puts the ball where it's supposed to be, and then, and then MJ goes and makes the rest of it happen. So, you know, that's just what we're going to have to be. You know, even the, the fourth and, and two, you know, we kind of had to throw an arc PO off of it. I mean, we're just going to have to be creative and finding ways to get yards sometimes. And this offensive line's getting better. They're, they're gelling a little bit. Um, those guys all missed a lot of time, and, and it takes time to get the way you want to. And they're getting better. Um, but we played really a heck of a front this week, and those linebackers were a problem. I mean, you know, we could cover up the downs, and then the linebackers were a problem. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly not, you'd love to just be able to go run the clock and just go pound it. Um, but that's just, you know, tonight that just wasn't what it was. So we had to find some different ways to convert and, and, and our players did that. They did a heck of a job, man. They went and played really well in really critical situations. Coach, I apologize if you answered this already, but can you talk about Ben's performance and just how he just got more comfortable, I guess, as the game went on? Ben who? Aldridge. I'm joking. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, when you, you have a guy like Ben, he's been waiting for an opportunity for a long time, not wait. He, he's been working for an opportunity for a long time. And, um, you could just see it on his face. I mean, he just, he wills the team to win and he he's, he's fiery. He goes out there, he'll do whatever it takes to win. If you ask him to run it 50 times, he would do it. If you ask him to throw it every down, he would do it. Um, I thought he played really well in the past game. He made good decisions. Uh, when you play quarterback, there's always something you'd like to have back. I mean, that's always going to be the case. But he made some huge throws. Receivers made big plays down the field, um, particularly when we were having a little bit of a tough time kind of getting that run game going. Um, those guys played really well. And, uh, you know, I, I'm proud of Ben. Um, he's, a, he's a war daddy, man. He, he went out there and, and played it the right way. That was, that was one of the gutsiest quarterback performances I've seen in a long time. It was uh, – I I'm, can't say – I mean, I don't know how else I can say. Just I'm just so proud of him. Anything else for Coach? All right, thanks, Coach. Thanks, guys. There it is, Coach Michael Desermo. After last night's win, number of things there, including some stuff about Kenny Almendarez, the kicker. You'll hear from Kenny next. Opens up about, you know, the misses, the makes, feeling it, getting back into it. He was big last night. Cajuns get a win, snap a three-game losing streak, climb up to three and three, and uh, that was Marshall's first ever home Sun Belt game. Cajuns spoiled that for him as well. They'll uh, have a kind of a mini buy of sorts, and then they'll have Arkansas State a week from Saturday, and then a short week where they go to Southern Miss. That's what's on the docket for October for Louisiana. Plus, Braylon Traha and Ben Waldrich. And the moment he shared with his mother after the game, you'll hear him talk about that. It's all coming your way right here on the Great Scott Show on 1033 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420, 103.3 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. snap. Almendaris, does it get there? Does it have the legs? It does, and it's good! Career long field goal for Kenny Almendaris, 52 yards last night, put the Cajuns up at the time, 16-7, two-possession lead, big moment. The two-point conversion stop was big as well, kept it a two-possession game, and it just felt like too much for Marshall to overcome, and they couldn't. 
23 to 13, the final last night. Kenny missed two ship shot field goals last week before hitting a long one in a loss to South Alabama. He talked to us last night after the game. We'll hear a little bit from him on that. Some other post-game audio for you. Uh, it's all coming your way. Phone lines are open for you as well this morning, 337-269-1077. We've hit a little bit on Major League Baseball. I uh, haven't talked to LSU Florida at all and um, did talk about the Game of Thrones happening right now in the NFL and Dan Snyder. Does he have dirt on the owners? Does he have dirt on Goodell? Or is he just bluffing as a scare tactic? Yeah. Who knows with this guy? All we know is that he's a scumbag. Facts. Facts. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Hey, good morning, Greg. This is Coach. How you doing? Hey, this is Scott. Thank you, Coach. Well, Scott, I'm so sorry. Scott, yes, yes. Hey, Scott, I was calling you this morning, and, and everybody else, all the listeners, who would enjoy KPL Sports. Scott, uh-huh. I, was, I was ecstatic. I was excited. And I had to go walk outside and take me a deep breath. Because our Vermillion and White, they executed. They showed up. And they did what they needed to do. And they brought a victory home. And I am very happy for the team and the coaches. And I'm also happy for our fans. Because our fans have been under some pressure. Because of what, you know, they, the winning and the losing. It's kind of like sports, guys, it's sports. But I was so impressed with what I saw when the guys were playing. And they always play for each other. And they were they were executing and they were doing their jobs. And when it was their number called upon, they showed up. And that was UL football the way we remembered it the past two, three, or let's go with almost a few years because we've been doing some winning around here lately. So to Coach Dez and to that staff and to the guys and everybody that's a part of our football program here at UL. I am happy for you all. Now, keep this thing going, guys. Y'all know what to do. And, guys, all we got to do is support them. Just support the team in whatever way you possibly can. They know what to do with the game. We just got to get our tails in the seat and at the bleachers, and let's go tailgate, and let's show up and show out, and let's represent that red and that white, that vermilion. Go, go you well. And keep it going, guys. And KPL, they'll keep broadcasting. Wow, we looked good last night on national TV. Amen. Thank you, guys. Coach Mitchell, I'm out. He's now got an outro. He still calls me Greg. Coach Mitchell, I'm out. 31 after the hour. Will Daniel Snyder be out in Washington? Some owners are hoping so. But now he's threatening to... Reveal some dirt on other owners. This this lengthy piece on ESPN is worth your time today to read it. Just a reminder of how much this guy stinks, but how much NFL owners are. It really is like an episode of Game of Thrones, man. By any means necessary. They ain't playing chess. They're playing checkers. They're playing checkers. Cajuns win last night. Lightning delay. No lightning delay. They look good. 
in all three phases, especially in the second half, especially after the lightning delay, if we're being honest. But defense looked good throughout. Special teams had their best game of the season, and the offense had their most complete game of the season. We'll hear from Ben Woldrich in a little bit, Braylon Trahan as well. But here is Kenny Almendarez, the kicker for Louisiana, who starting kicker last year, got hurt. I remember talking to Coach Desimo at the beginning of uh, fall practice about kicking, and he said, look, it's Kenny's job to lose. Well, he was not the starter. He was not top of the depth chart at kicking when the season began. And then he was against South Alabama uh, 10 days ago, and he struggled. Last night he did, and Kenny talks about kind of the whole ride and his performance last night as well. Uh, well, you know, I played last game. I didn't do too good, but uh, I made that important one, which gave us a chance. And today I was just focused on doing, like, the basics and just running through the ball, kicking it, and making it. After I made one, you get more confidence as you go. So it felt good. What What's the difference between, like, the makes you had looking really calm and everything today and when you had the misses? It, was it, what, what was the difference? So at – Last game was about a year since I kicked in the game. So I guess in a sense, I was a little mentally stuck in something. But uh, I just talked to my family about it, and I just got through it. Just figured what I needed to do. On the 52-yarder, were you – I mean, what were you thinking going out there? So so uh, Coach Des was like, you want to kick it? And I was like, yes, let's go kick it. He's like, you know, make I was like, what, what else am I going to go do there? That, that's what I'm going for. And then – I hit it. I didn't hit it as clean as what I usually do, but I saw it go. It had good direction, had good distance, and I was just glad that I made it. The the so do you feel like you're you're there now? You're back where you were the previous year when you were making every kick. Yeah, I, I actually feel a lot better because uh, ever since my surgery, my range has gone like bigger. I guess more range in myself. Like I feel very confident if we're in the fifty, and I I just gotta hit the ball and make it there. All right, guys, anything? Kenny, just how big was it for the team to get a win? Um, I know it was on national television, but just to snap that three-game losing streak. It, it was it was very important because uh, we lost to teams who we thought we were better, and quite frankly, I believe that we were all better than that. But uh, winning those games was uh, – Losing those games was like a wake up. Like, hey, we need to do something else. We need to, we need to put a little bit, bit more effort. We need to, you know, step up. And like, like Ben today, he stepped up like amazingly. He did great today. And like the offense and the defense kept doing their thing. You know, they're always there. So it was very important. I think uh, season's gonna season's gonna change after this. I think it's a turning point for us. I know Coach mentioned several times that he's like, man, I know that this is the team, like in the fourth quarter against South Alabama. Like, I know that this is the team that we're capable of. Like, for you, has it felt like that? And did this feel like kind of a turning point tonight? To me, it did. To me, it definitely did. Um, you know, we did have the delay and everybody. And we, we closed the doors. I mean, there was no trainers. There was no coaches. It was just the players. And we, we closed the doors and we just like all stared at each other like, this is what we need to go do. And we did it. What is it about lightning delays? I don't know. They're a blessing. <laughs> All right. That is Kenny Almendarez. And uh, we'll hear from Braylon Trahan and eventually Ben Woldrich, who was, uh, you know, pretty pretty talkative last night. 
I'd say not talkative. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Ben is Ben is a low key guy um, in interviews and whatnot. But you know, sharing a moment that he shared with his mother was cool. Asking questions, you know, answering questions about not having to be worried about being pulled out after a series. You're able to get into a rhythm. He was he was pretty upfront about all that. But Braylon Trahan, the local, the Acadiana kid. Had a pick last night, had some big hits. He was all over the field. He's been a big piece of the Cajuns' defense for a few years now and uh, one of the better players on the field, not just last night but this season. And You know, he wasn't crazy about lightning delays, but after further thought, he's like, you know what, maybe it's not so bad. Here's Braylon Trahal after the Cajuns' win last night against Marshall. Yes, because they could really run the ball, but – but I'm sure y'all thought y'all could get pressure on. Like, kind of what was the general plan and how did it work out? Right. Uh, of course, we went into the game knowing that there was a top-running team and we preached it all week, stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. So, Coach Morgan did a good job of calling the calls right to where we can stop the run and we played great team defense. Tell me about your interception. Yeah, um, it was, I mean, it was, it was great, man. Um, we, we knew they was getting past the 50 and uh, we knew it was going to be a shot coming soon so uh you know I, we, we we read it and we almost called it uh, as a defense so did i notice a really extra y'all always play physical but i thought y'all were especially you were extra physical was that just man we got to stop losing we got to go out there and impose our will like did it seem that way to y'all extra physical tonight for sure for sure um you know i, I tried to preach to defense before the game man we got it we got to play like we tired of losing i because I, I told him straight up, I, I'm tired of losing. So, um, you know, we, we played a great game of the defense together, stopped the run, and came out with the dub. Questions on the Zoom? To that, to that point, like, how good was it just to snap the three-game losing streak? It was great. You know, um, any, any Sun Belt win is, is not an easy win, you know, and, and winning on the road, that makes it even better. So um, next, next week, we, we're going to come out strong and, uh, you know, we got to just get back healthy on, on, on the offense and defensive side, and we're ready for another conference game. What is it about lightning delays, man? Oh, man, it, it, it sucks. It sucks, you know, especially especially after you play the whole half and going back out there and then had to come back in. But, I mean, that, that, gave, that gave us time to get – you know, defense right, offense right. And, I mean, we, we only made more adjustments. Shoot, it doesn't suck for y'all, though, because, I mean, you think about Eastern Michigan and then now this game, like, lightning delays have kind of worked in your favor. Right, right. We, we might need more of that. <laughs> and then, obviously, you see Ben in practice and you see how hard he's worked to have a performance like he did tonight. Um, can you just speak to that? Right. Before the game, I went up to him. I said, straight up, man. You go, we go. You go, we go. You, you have a good game. This team is, is can be beat, can win any game, man. Uh, the QB QB spot is the biggest spot uh, that we need to fill. So, and, and Ben had a great game, man. I, I talked to him before the game. He was ready and and he performed. That's Braylon Trahal. He talked to Ben before the game. We talked to Ben after the game. We'll hear from Ben Woldrich uh, and his comments about his performance, about the team, about where they are. And obviously, you know, I think moving forward, based on Ben's performance when Chandler Fields is is healthy enough to go, you know, coaches, as he has all season, is going to have a decision to make. 
But Ben played well last night. And not all-American great or anything, but he played well, and he played well enough to really have that true com- you know, conversation about you, you need to go with one quarterback for a while here. Now, look, Chris Lano pointed this out last hour. I mean, Chandler Fields, uh, he played well against ULM, and, and maybe had cemented himself, but then, you know, he got injured and had to come out against South Alabama and told Coach, you know, maybe I was, I was probably too hurt to play, but I, I probably should have said that, but I wanted to get out there. And Anyway, I mean, it's the, the quarterback conversation is going to be had all season. And it will continue to be had after last night's performance by Ben Woldrich, who you will hear from next right here on The Great Scott Show. It's 103.3 The Goat, simulcast on 1420. 103.3 The Goat, greatest sports talk of all time. 103.3 The Goat. I don't care how fast you are or how big you are. Somebody's going to be faster and somebody's going to be bigger. The greatest sports talk of all time. Ah! Buckle up, boys. Time to go to work. 1033 the goat. And on first down, pass downfield looking for Stevens, and he juggled it. Did he keep it? He yes, did. Sir. All the way down at the Marshall 10 yard line. Aldridge has the ball, throws to the end zone, and he's got his man, and that ball is caught. One receiver left side, two to the right on first down. Wildridge back to throw. Pass over the middle is caught. And a, and a broken tackle. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Louisiana. Michael Jefferson breaks the tackle and takes it to the house. Welcome back into the great Scott show. 103 through the goat simulcast on 1420. Gus Kattengill will be on tomorrow. Saints and Pelicans correspondent. We'll hit on the Pels. They got one more preseason game tomorrow night. Zion's ankle and more. Zion does not have a sprained ankle. He has a strained ankle. And if you saw the play last night, dare I say it made me feel a little bit better after I first heard the news that he wasn't coming out of the locker room. I, I just went into full panic mode. I'll just be honest. Because I, you know, when they went into the lightning delay for you, well, I was dialing into the Pelicans. Let me check it all out. Wait, Zion's not back out. Wait, what happened? Then I saw the play. That's painful. Seen it happen. But not some kind of significant season. Nothing like that. Just turned his ankle. He'll be good to go for the season opener, which is six days away. How about that? Pelicans begin their season in six days. We'll talk some Major League Baseball as well. Uh, Hit on it a little bit tonight. We'll do it again tomorrow. Astros Mariners playing today. Astros fans, man, you still got to be living off of the high of how that last game unfolded. Holy cow. Holy cow. Cleveland and the Yankees as well tonight. Brad Topham will join me tomorrow as well. We'll talk some Major League Baseball. We'll talk a little LSU Florida tomorrow. Ryan Kelly, Billy Napier, yeah, that's a storyline in that one. But wrapping up the show today, Ben Waldrich, the uh, Rage Cajun quarterback who transferred from Fresno State, who fought for the starting job, didn't get it, but did get 
involved, right? Every fourth series to start the season, and every third series, and with Chandler Fields' injury last night, the whole shebang. Had to be, I think Kevin Foote said, most fun game you ever played in in your life. Here's Wolters' response and uh, plenty more questions that he got from us. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, I think it was a good team win, and it was definitely a good team game um, on both sides of the ball, and then including special teams, so all three phases. Yeah. How did you notice as the game was going on that it helped you that you were – you know, getting every drive because you were you were the quarterback. How, how, how did that help? Um, I don't know. I mean, it was – I think it helped a little bit. Um, I mean, just kind of in every drive of the game, you try to go out there and just do your job for the team and for the 10 other guys on the field with you. <clears throat> so I think um, that's probably the biggest part. Um, no matter what, like if it was me getting one drive or me getting the whole game, you just try to do your job on every play um, for the ten other guys around you. What was your what, what what was on your mind? What was motivating you and pushing you going in the moments going into this game? Like losing streak, you all wanted to end the losing streak. You know, you're on the road against an elite defense. What what was going through your mind pushing you for that in that game? Um, I don't think it took any extra motivation, right? Because it's, it's football. You've got your, your brothers with you. you got the 110 other guys in the locker room that you go to work with every day. Um, so I, think, I don't think it was like anything extra. It was just um, me wanting to do my job for, for my team, do it, and doing it to the best of my ability so we can come out of here with a W. And like you said, it was Marshall had an incredible defense. They, they were fast. They flew around. They had a strong D-line. Their backers, number 24, number seven, um, maybe some of the best we'll see. Um, but I'm sure other teams have great linebackers and great defense as well. Um, but that's a week-by-week week thing. But, yeah, I think it's just doing your job every play. Talk about running. You, you started doing that a few weeks ago, and you, I thought you had some really big runs tonight. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, something that kind of just happens. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you obviously have the ability to run. We yeah. saw that in the spring game, but it is running hard. Like you ran extra hard, I thought. To you just got extra yards when you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just like I said before, just trying to do my best for the ten other guys on the field because I think that's that's the biggest part. Knowing that if you do your job, they'll they'll start to trust you and believe in you. With, more and more. Okay, one more thing. You seem to have a connection with Michael Jefferson tonight, really. Uh, they even call one back on the first drive that if they don't do that, yeah. just talk about you and him tonight. Uh, MJ's a hell of a receiver. Um, he comes to work every day with the right mindset. Um, whether he gets the ball 10 times or he gets the ball one time, he's going to be the same guy, even keeled. <clears throat> And what I love about MJ is he's going to attack every play, every snap. Um, but that's just kind of like the a microcosm of our receiver room. We got excellent receivers from MJ all the way to Jacob Bernard um, and everybody who rotates in between there, um, starting with X and then H and Z. We got a bunch of studs in that room, um, so it makes it easy uh, for me to play quarterback. Questions for the Zoom? 
And was there anything that um, that you were able to do tonight during the game that maybe surprised you a little bit, whether it was, you know, progressions or, or you know, what you were able to read in a, on a zone read or what have you? Was there anything about your performance tonight that kind of surprised you a little bit? I don't think anything kind of surprised me. Um, this has been a it's been a long process. Um, it's my first start. Um, so. It's just kind of been work um, ever since I got to the college level. Um, so just kind of, I think as a quarterback, confidence is one of the number one things. Um, and obviously it's tough, right? The last couple of weeks we, we've lost a couple of games and in the quarterback room we could have played better. Um, so I think just coming out here, it was uh, just being confident in myself, being confident in the game plan. Coach Dez did a great job calling plays. He did a great job kind of setting up the game plan, uh, trying to attack a really, really good martial defense um, and with everything that they do. You mentioned that this was your first start. For you, were you able to enjoy that? Because I know that's a big moment. You mentioned just how how much you've been working towards that moment. So, like, were you able to enjoy that? And just what was that like for you? Yeah. um, the, The first person I saw was my mom. Um, she made the trip out here, and um, I was able to enjoy it with her. Yeah, after the game. Now she's coming from where? California. And you saw her when you were on the field or walking off the field? Right after the game, I saw her. Um, gave her a big hug. Um, yeah. Did you was did you know Ben that she was? You knew that she was coming, right? Yeah, yeah. She wouldn't miss this for the world. Um, everything she's done for me. Yeah. What was that moment like? Uh, words can't describe it. Um, it was special. In the in the second half, was there uh, an adjustment you guys made, or was there something that y'all noticed that allowed you to push the the ball down the field a little bit more? Second half. Um, I think every game you have half halftime adjustments. Um, but I think it was just not kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, we started pretty good on our first drive um, and second drive. And I think in the first quarter, we started pretty good. And then it kind of got to the second quarter and we kind of sh- started to shoot ourselves in the foot, had a kind of penalties or not productive plays on first down where we're in second and long and um, passing situations. So it's kind of obvious for the defense to dial up a pressure or the play coverage, which kind of makes it tough to produce. Um, but I think coming out of halftime, we kind of got some momentum from the defense, um, which was awesome. I think our defense has played incredible this whole year. So I think it's our time as an offense to kind of have their back um, and and do our job. How much of a comfort is it to have a guy who can kick a 52-yarder and uh, kind of give you guys a little bit of a, a boot? Yeah, Kenny is an absolute stud. Um, that guy, obviously, he was our kicker last year, um, had an injury. And then, obviously, as you guys know, didn't start the season as a kicker. Um, but head down, working. He's an incredible person, awesome person. And to have, right, a quarterback's best friend is their kick, is the kicker, right? Because um, when you don't get it done on third down in the red zone or outside the red zone, when you have a guy like Kenny coming onto the field and you know he's got a, a – a freaking leg to him. Um, you feel comfortable. All right, guys, last one. We got to go. 
So you guys are uh, outscored opponents 69 to 13 after lightning delays. Does, does Eric Truel need to pray for some more storms? Can you explain that? Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe this will, that lightning de- delay will spark something in us where next week we'll come out hot and, and we won't need another lightning delay, but we'll see. That is Ben Waldridge. Eric Shrule, by the way, is the team chaplain. Coach Desimo joked that he said he was he was praying to, you know, some Marshall fans might have to leave or not be at the game, and maybe that's when the storm came. So um, overall, Cajuns get the win. Tomorrow, we'll focus on Major League Baseball and the upcoming weekend in sports and a little Pels as well. Saints-Bengals will be in the heavy discussion. We'll talk ALDS, NLDS, the Pelicans, Brad Topham's going to be on the show. Gus Kattengill as well. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a give me all you got Friday. Can't wait to talk to you guys tomorrow morning. Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show is next on 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420. 103.3 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time.